This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Morning to our guests. Hello, my name is Paul, teacher and pastor here at House on the Rock. Again, those who are online, thank you uh, for being with us. It, it means a lot that you would spend time with us. In the 18, late 1840s and 1850s, a gold rush hit California. And thousands and thousands and thousands of men left the east side of the country and made their way to the west side of the country. In fact, those who study the census draw up the census from this time period and they can plot out you know, if a, if a man and a woman are living together like in marriage, it's a, this colored dot. And if it's just a, a woman, it's this color. And if it's a, uh, it's just a guy, it's a, it's a blue dot. And if you look at the map of the census of this time period, there's this giant blue line that goes across California. As thousands and thousands of men made their way to that side to strike it rich. Left everything behind to go find the gold. What they found when they got there was a whole lot of guys. And a whole lot of guys together, just guys, does not go well. Enter the advent of male order brides. Where men wrote back home to their churches and their families, hey, can you find me a good woman? This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'll pay. I'm waiting for my delivery. We even found, and there were found, advertisements of women sending advertisements to the guys on the other side. Hey, I am a beautiful, well-disposed Christian woman who is going to inherit $10,000. Yeah. And we might think about that and say to themselves, man, that's just crazy. But we kind of do that ourselves now, don't we? I mean, maybe it's not mail-order bride, mail-order husband, but we do like it made to order, don't we? Nachos, pizzas, subs, sandwiches. I want this, I want this, I want this. Here's my list. I'll pay my fee. I'm ready for my delivery. Back home in Pennsylvania, where Elise and I are from, we have sheets Gas stations, anyone familiar with sheets? Gas stations, my Pennsylvania people represent, well done, thank you. And they have this giant made-to-order section in the gas station where you go up to the monitor and you pick nachos and they bring you a picture. So what do you want on your nachos? I want cheese, I want jalapenos and onions, I want extra cheese. And you can go for it and you made-to-order. Here's my list, I pay my fee and I wait for my delivery. We love, used to love going to sheets and picking up sheets nachos. And that way of thinking gets into our life, our psychology, where we think if I give my list and pay my fee, just wait for my delivery. But faith doesn't work that way. Wisdom does not work that way. We're in the midst of this series on, on the book of Proverbs of wisdom. And it can be frustrating held back a little bit in, in many aspects of the application points in our messages and because we just kind of, we want that. Tell me what's the one, what's the two, what's the three. 
What boxes do I check so I can get my wisdom? Just how do I get it? What do I have to do so that I can get the wisdom thing delivered to the house and so that I'm good to go? But wisdom doesn't work that way. And I want to slow down just a little bit before we drill into our passage this morning just to understand that idea that wisdom is not a mail-order bride. Wisdom is not made to order. In the beginning of the book of Proverbs, there's a series of sermons from a father to a son. And then when you get to the end of the book of Proverbs, there's a message, this beautiful acrostic poem. Acrostic, each, each section starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. As if from A to Z, this is what wisdom is. And it's a message from a mother to a son. It bookends the whole, whole book, the whole scroll. And from beginning to end, the father is calling upon the son, hey, chase after wisdom. Seek lady wisdom. Love lady wisdom. Bind yourself to lady wisdom. If you care for wisdom, she will care for you. And at the end of the book, where we're going to look today, the mother does the exact same thing. In fact, this is what she says. She says, hey, if you do everything that you've read in this book, this is what life will look like. The life of one who binds themselves and weds themselves to wisdom looks like this. And that's where we're going to spend our time. I think it's brilliant. I think it's completely brilliant the way wisdom is manifest and, and, and showed to us. Because wisdom is not a formula. It's not a recipe. Where if I put in one, I put in two, I put in three, I can expect my delivery. Wisdom is not a mail-order bride. Wisdom isn't something that you look up on Amazon with the big smile and wait for the truck to show up with the cardboard box and open up, oh, look, here's my, here's my wisdom for today. She's a lady. The virtuous woman. Which means that there's a voice that you need to learn to discern. The voice of wisdom. Recognize that voice. Because there's a whole lot of other voices out there. The Proverbs wants us to understand that there are a lot of voices. There's the strange woman, the adulterous woman. There's, there's the fool and the mocker and all these other voices. Can you hear Lady Wisdom speak to you? There have been a few times my sons have gotten off the soccer field. Mom, I heard you. Heard you during the game, Mom. Could hear her voice above all the others. Lady wisdom is a voice that you discern. Wisdom, she builds a house. She builds a house unlike any other house, a house that you'll notice, a house that you can tell. When you walk by the house of wisdom, you know that she lives there. There's an order and there's a peace to it. But there's other houses, aren't there? Houses where chaos rules and reigns. Other voices are heard. And it's beautiful in the Jewish Bible, in some orderings of the Jewish Bible, right after the book of Proverbs, they put the book of Ruth. If you're familiar with the book of Ruth, she is this virtuous woman who works well and loves well and is committed to family. And from her comes the beautiful line of the Savior, King David, Lord Jesus. So we're going to look at this passage together. 
But wisdom is not a mail-order bride. I slow down because life doesn't fit the mold. I want you to turn to Proverbs 26 before we get to Proverbs 31. I want to show you something. If you're in your Proverbs journals, these blue books that I gave you, turn to Proverbs 26. There's a passage in the Bible that's always kind of frustrated me a little bit. But I think it helps us understand what I'm trying to say this morning. If you're in these, this is page 122. Proverbs 26. I want you to find verse 4 and verse 5. Verse 4 and verse 5 of Proverbs 26. Read the first, read verse 4 with me. Ready? Proverbs 26, verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay? Now read verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Well, which one do you want me to do? Am I supposed to answer the fool or not answer the fool? Bible? Like, which one is it? Am I supposed to, you know, walk away? Or am I supposed to, you know, answer not a fool according to his folly? Dude, your hot mess, your monkeys, your circus, I'm out. Maybe some of you are familiar with these types of people. And you work hard to distance yourself from their drama, right? So you appreciate verse 4. But what do you do with verse 5? Because then it says, answer a fool according to his folly. Insert yourself into the mess. Otherwise, they'll be wise in their own eyes. So which one am I supposed to do? Life isn't one, two, three. And here's your delivery. Wisdom is not a mail-order bride. Life is a hot mess. And so wisdom affords us this, this practical gift of moving practically through life towards, towards, towards promise, towards flourishing. Because you know as well as I do, life has context. Life requires conversation. A son might come up to me. Hey, can I go hang out with my friends? Maybe. Parents, have you ever said that? Maybe. It depends. Who are you hanging out with? Where are you going? What are you doing? Life has context. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Same question, might be a yes, might be a no. Life has context. Life requires conversation. Wisdom is the gift of God inviting us to maneuver all that life is. So that's why it's important for us to understand wisdom isn't a formula. Wisdom isn't an order. It doesn't show up in your Amazon box. What we're going to see today, wisdom is the virtuous woman, the lady that is wisdom. So let's find Proverbs 31 then. This is easy. If you don't know your Bible, you know, you got one of these journals. This is, this, is, this is it because it's the very end of the book. <laughs> end of the scroll. 
We're going to start in verse 10. And I'm going to read down through verse 31. Verse 10, down through 31. Ryan's going to have verses up there. Maybe you're following along in your journal. I'm really glad that you guys are here today. You guys look great. You guys are, Dustin, you look good, buddy. It's good to see you, man. Proverbs 31, I'm going to start in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for the household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teachings of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up, call her blessed. Her husband also. He praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Maybe you've heard this passage within the context of woman, this is what you need to be. You need to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Right? And there's ministries dedicated to that and Bible studies dedicated on how you can become the Proverbs 31 woman. And you read through this and you're like, seriously? Seriously? Like, where's the Proverbs 31 for guys? Who can do that? Part of the challenge is put the passage in context. What is this talking about? This is the life that wisdom brings when you learn to live out the book of Proverbs. This is the house and the life that wisdom creates. And so I understand there's a little bit of a tension because it's written from a, a mom to a son. And so ladies, it can kind of be difficult to lean in on that. So imagine instead of it being a woman, maybe it's, it's a man in your minds. But this is what wisdom creates the virtuous, the, the flourishing life. In the very beginning, in, in, verse, in, in verse 12, she says this, she does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Last week, uh, I encouraged us to draw better circles. And I think that's a great place to pick back up again. 
maybe in one of those pages, maybe it's your message guide or in your Proverbs journal in one of those spaces, draw a circle because wisdom is still inviting us to the flourishing life. Would you maybe draw a circle and write that down? If you weren't able to be with us last week, you can go to whoishouseontherock.com and catch up on that. But God draws a circle. He carves out between order and chaos. He says, this is the abundant, this is the flourishing life where there's a foundation and a home can exist. And we are challenged to draw and trace over that same circle, building a life as we chase after Jesus. But let's come back to that same idea because wisdom does good and not harm all the days of her life. The view of following God, uh, 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 of order and chaos. Sometimes we think about following God and we don't like the idea because we think it's restrictive. Right? That's not fun. If I do what the Bible says, that's not fun. That's for lame people and old people. Those Christians are lame. But what's the promise of wisdom? The promise of wisdom is good. I bring you good. Are there restrictions? Yeah. I don't ride roller coasters. Okay? I will ride some park rides. Lucas and I, if you need someone to go along with you on amusement parks, Lucas and I will get your food. We'll hold your camp for you. We will, we will you, know, you know, go get seats for you to show. That's kind of what Lucas and I contribute when it comes to going to amusement parks. Jackson's a rider. A rider. If I do go on a ride, I make sure that restraint is working. I want to know that restraint is working. I will bring the ride attendant over. Is it locked? Are you sure it's locked? Because once I'm not flying out, I'm not that YouTube guy. Hey, check this guy out. He's on the ride and not flying. You want the restraint to work, right? What does the restraint do? maximizes fun. It maximizes joy. You remove that restraint and all the ups and the downs that is that ride, bad things happen. Really bad things happen. Wisdom comes along and says, I offer you the flourishing life. And it is good. And so within this passage, I want you to see three spheres. So in your circle, maybe draw three more circles. And it's okay if there's a little overlap because when it comes to life, there's a little overlap. And I wanna, we're going to fill those in this morning as, as wisdom helps us understand three various areas. And the first one is home. Home life, or in the passage, what she calls household. Household. Let me read for you and draw your attention. Look at verse 15. She says this. This is what wisdom brings. She rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. Look at verse 21. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. 22. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Jump down to verse 27. Her, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. 
So, well, it's the effect of a house that, where wisdom dwells and where wisdom leads. There's provision. So she provides. Where wisdom is able to speak, there's provision. There's peace in this home. As the snow blows, the storms come. She's not worried about it. Her house isn't worried about it. She's covered her home. So wisdom does. This place where it says, in verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household. That could be translated another way. It could say she covers her house with wisdom. Makes her house wisdom. How many of you decorate for the seasons? It's fall, so you put up fall decorations. It's Christmas, you put up Christmas decorations. Some of you do that. A lot of female hands went up. That's cool. A lot of husbands' eyes just rolled. (laughs) We do a similar practice in our home where the lady of the house will cue us in. It's time to bring down the fall harvest decorations. And so... I send the boys up to the attic and they bring down the one or two tubs that is labeled harvest and harvest goes out with uh, the leaves and the little styrofoam pumpkins and all the things that are harvest. We decorate them. And then when the lady of the house says so, we transition and the two tubs of harvest go away and the 89 tubs of Christmas come down. <laughs> you know it's true, Right? What's really humbling in my house, and I bring this up all the time, and it's not been rectified, we have, like, we have one Easter tub. Like, I'm a pastor. It's a pastor's house. We only got one tub dedicated to the resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ, but we got 89 tubs of his birth. We haven't done anything about it. But she'll go through, and she covers the house with Christmas inside and out, or covers the house with autumn, or covers the house with spring and Easter, whatever the season is. Wisdom, where wisdom lives, covers the house with wisdom. It saturates everything. It works its way into everything, transforming it. So the jewel within this sphere, let's write down the word stability. As we look at some of the words about provision and peace and filling and working there. The house becomes a light in the dark. That no matter how culture might shift or move, this house is stable. I remember children and students coming to my house when I was growing up. Because it wasn't my house. It was my father's house, my mother's house. Because there was stability there. And they would come at dinner time because there was stability there. And they would just stay and not want to go home. Because there was stability there. I had the opportunity to talk to a a young teenager this week. And to God's praise and grace, they compared their house to our house. And they said, can I stay here for a little while longer before I go home? 
because wisdom had created stability here. Culture is shifting, and culture wants to move like an earthquake that shakes that foundation, and the foundation that's not able to stand up to it will crack. And when the foundation cracks, what happens to the house? The house falls. And Matthew says, great is the fall. But isn't it interesting, if you take the book as a whole, in the beginning it's one parent talking to the child, the father speaking to the son. You get to the end, it's the mother speaking to the son. Both parents speaking, not one parent saying, yeah, I really don't do the Jesus thing. That's the mom's job. Or that's the dad's job. Both parents speaking into son, pursue wisdom. Daughter, pursue wisdom. Both parents speaking to what flourishing life looks like in agreement and wholeness. So the storms can blow. Oh, this is what a family should be. Or that is what marriage is. Or, or degrade the house as much as they want to degrade the house. But wisdom builds her own house and says, this is order. She brings stability to the home. Let's look at another sphere. Write down the word vocation. In one of those circles, vocation. Vocation is a fancy word. It's kind of a churchy word. But I think it's also the right word. Vocation is what I do to grow the kingdom. What I do. What I bring. Help the kingdom grow. Let me show you some verses here again back in this, this poem. Look at verse 13 and 14. These are words that have to do with work. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant that brings her food from afar. Verse 18 and 19. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. The value of work, not J-O-B job. We misunderstand the value of work because so many of us hate our jobs. But it says here that she seeks it out. She seeks the work. She does willing work. She gathers things together. She perceives the value of what she's doing. Your vocation is what you do to help the kingdom grow. This is in the beginning of Genesis that Adam was a gardener. And he was challenged to go from the garden and to bring order to what else was chaos. Go out and help order grow. Increase the garden. We misvalue work. Before we see fall and before we read about sin and death, Adam and Eve were about work. Doing good work. Seeking out the good work that has value to it. Uh, Rose Bennett and I had the opportunity to teach a workshop uh, yesterday morning that we 
here at, at the building called Oikonomics, where we help people understand the value of things because not everything has the same value. A dollar does not have the same value as a minute, right? A dollar does not have the same value as a minute. An acquaintance doesn't have the same value as a friend. A dollar in your pocket's not worth the same amount as health in your body. And your faith is worth more than all of that. And so we help people understand these investments that God has given and poured into our life. He has invested financial resources. He's invested uh, health resources. He's invested time. God gave you time today. You woke up. You woke up. Some didn't. You did. He has invested the day to you. And so how do you take a lesser thing and grow a greater thing? That's what we teach people. But part of that process in the very beginning of the workshop is people doing what we call a time audit. You guys know what a financial audit is, right? Where's the money? Where's the money going? Here's the money. This, but we have them do a time audit where they look at one day in hour increments, 17 hours. It's about how most of us are awake. And they then ascribe to that hour how that hour is invested. Did I spend it getting financial capital? Did I spend it growing health? Did I spend it uh, investing in my spiritual life? Did I spend it investing in relationships? And as you can imagine, if you were to look at a basic work day, most of the hours might be spent growing what? Money, right? Money. I spent eight hours at a job, 10 hours at a job. And so at first glance, that can be, well, one of the attendants looked at me and said, this is sad. Because a lot of time was going to grow financial resources. When the Bible tells us that so many other things are much more valuable. And what we challenge them to understand and challenge them in a way to live is that even though you are at the J-O-B, you can still grow the kingdom. Having a job does not make you anti-kingdom. Well, depending on how you act at J-O-B. Really? You go to church? Really? And talk like that? Huh? Having a J-O-B does not make you anti-kingdom. And so it's learning to see that even while I'm working on the line or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at school or I'm sitting behind a desk or whatever the job might be, I can use that to engage my vocation, how I grow the kingdom. To be intentional with relationships and intentional with time and intentional with my relationship with God. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom seeks out. Works willingly. Gathers from afar. Understands the value of what they're doing. The, the jewel in this sphere. Write down the word purpose. Wisdom brings purpose to what I'm doing.
you can take a page from Proverbs, take the exact same letters, and just mix them up randomly. Turn it into chaos. Right? Just chaos. You can take the exact same orders, the exact same letters, and the author puts them in a specific order. And that order then communicates the purpose, the intent. Two individuals can go to the same job, and they one will live out of chaos. Wisdom comes to the other one and leads them into purpose and order. Because wisdom teaches us how to seek, how to gather, how to willingly pick up things and, and give value to them. This is what it means to live in the fear of the Lord. Remember that from a few weeks ago. To breathe God in, that God shares himself and we respond to that and we, we live in that place. Our life has purpose now. This is what wisdom brings to the home. But it doesn't stay in the home. It doesn't stay in the home. Wisdom looks to the world. Write that down. Jesus said, go into all of the world. Let me show you a couple places just in, again in this poem. Verse 16. Look at this one. She considers a field. What's that mean? All right, she's driving to work. She looks over and there's this field. Fallowed, rocky, weedy, not used, not maximized, nothing. She looks at it. She considers it. She sees it. Look at that. She thinks about what that field could be. She looks at that earth and says, you know what? That could flourish. She considers a field. She buys it. And with the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. It was just a field. Now it's flourishing. Now we're maximizing in the same way that God charged Adam. Hey, you see garden? All right, you go now maximize garden. Enter into the chaos. Bring order to it. Help earth flourish. Help earth become everything that it's supposed to be, balanced, everything striving and thriving together. Wisdom sees a field. Another verse. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor reaches out her hands to the needy. Wisdom isn't just concerned about her. Wisdom is just concerned about her house. Wisdom sees humanity. Doesn't just see a lump of earth, but sees a person and says, that's not flourishing. God created that being to flourish. How can I help that being flourish? How can I resource and help that being so that it too can enjoy the order that is God's peace. She gives to. She pours into. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Really getting hung up on kindness these last few months. Kindness seems to change things. Words of kindness. You guys know the value of kindness? Have you experienced the value of kindness? In the midst of your chaos and your storm, 
how the words of kindness can come in and soothe everything over. Doesn't have to be a part of your house. Because wisdom doesn't see the world as something separate, but the world is a stewardship. Write down the word stewardship. Stewardship. And the responsibility to attend and care is given by the master. I don't own it. It's my job to take care of it. Who are you responsible for? Who are we responsible for? She reaches beyond. Wisdom reaches beyond to the ever-expanding and to the ever-other and brings the order where there is chaos and storm. I remember a point, maybe just a few years ago, where the Spirit said to me, Paul, you're not a pastor for House on the Rock Fellowship. I sent you as a pastor to Miami Valley, the region. That I have a responsibility whenever I bump into anybody to invite them to kingdom. That I am charged to the stewardship of every place that my foot steps. You are charged to the stewardship of every place that your foot steps. Because Jesus came that the world would have it to the full. It's one of the reasons we have global partners. We're always looking for opportunities to share the gospel wherever it can go. That Jesus has come. His kingdom is both now and not yet. How can we transform the world? These are the, the three spheres, if we look in that poem, that we see wisdom affecting and bringing about flourishing. The home flourishes. My vocation flourishes. The world flourishes as, as, as wisdom brings about stability and purpose and stewardship. What Jesus picks up and runs with when he says, this is the abundant life. But how do we do it? How do we do it without getting into that one, two, three mentality? Of, All right, I uh, here's my list, here's my fee, I want my delivery, just give me my wisdom. How do, how do I get that? What do I do to get that? Like, do I have to tithe so much? Actually, yes. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, not at all. But I think we see some hints here. We see some hints. Because remember, it's inviting us to look at wisdom as, as, as a what? How are we supposed to look at wisdom? As, 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 as a beautiful, virtuous wife. And so, it says in the very beginning of, of, of this passage, in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find, pursue wisdom, chase after Wisdom. I think pursue is a good word. Not in some sick, weird, psycho, guy down in the van down by the river kind of way. But guys, do you pursue your brides? Men, do you chase after your wife? What's the posture of, of someone who is looking for something versus the posture of someone who has found something? What does someone look like who's looking for their keys versus someone who has found their keys? If you're pursuing, if you, 
you're, there's movement and there's engagement in the eyes and there's a, there's a leaning in and there's an urgency and there's a wanting and there's a desiring. But for the person who's found, they're sitting and there's a passiveness and there's not an engagement and there's not a yearning and there's not a chasing. But mom says to son, who can find her? Can you find her? Can you engage in the mystery of her? Can you, can you search for her? Guys, why do we get married? We get married so we can date our wife, right? That's why we get married. Your approach to wisdom should be the same way. Chase after, look for, search out, lean into. Let there be wonder, let there be mystery. Let wisdom blow your mind. Virtuous, who can, who can find? Another word, depend. Uh, you just write these anywhere, right? Pursue wisdom, depend on wisdom. In Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, trust not in your own understanding. Lean on the Lord in all your ways. He will make your path straight. Depending on her, giving her a voice. How countercultural that might have been when this passage came out. To depend upon her. It says in verse, if you go back to the very beginning of the poem, the heart of her husband trusts in her, verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her in her, depends on what she has to say, looks for her insight, looks for her guidance. Throughout the book, the theme of, of wisdom, crying out and calling out and speaking in the highways and the byways, the voice of wisdom coming at the intersection of business, the voice of wisdom coming at the intersection of home and relationships, sexual relationships, financial engagements, friendships. Wisdom speaks into it and listening to her voice. learning to trace life the way God draws it, to draw upon that circle again and again, to give her voice versus all the other voices that are out there. And there are many. Parents, you have a responsibility. Teach your son and your daughter to recognize the voice of wisdom and to depend upon that voice. What does she have to say when it comes to friendships? And following. What does she say when it comes to sexuality? What does she say when it comes to work? What does she say when it comes to government? Giving her a voice and letting her speak. And then thirdly, to honor her. To honor wisdom. A life that pursues and a life that depends on and a life that honors. The very last verse of the scroll of Proverbs says this. Verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. 
Let people know what she has done. Let people know what she is doing. We have days of honor. We honor moms and we honor dads and we have days to honor vets and we have days to honor professions. And we hold them up and say, hey, look at this. This is honorable. The life of wisdom is to be honored. She is to be honored. She's to be held up to draw attention to. How do you do that? Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? I married up. Have you seen what wisdom has done in my life? Have you seen what wisdom has done in my life? There was chaos. It was hell on earth. And then wisdom came in. And she built a house. She built a home. You honor wisdom. You teach the next generation. Have you met? Have you met wisdom? That's a good sound. I like that sound. Jackson's playing the violin and he, he came out to the living room and he says, Hey, can I play some songs for you guys? And Elise and I were just hanging out. And like, yeah, absolutely. We'll want to hear. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear. He said, I've been working on five Halloween songs. Like, awesome. Love Halloween songs. Love Halloween songs. So he can brings out the violin, brings out the bow, sets up the stand, sets up the music. He says, there's five of them. And he says, now one of the, some of them aren't really songs. Like, here's the sound effect of Psycho. <laughs> and it sounded just like it. I knew exactly what it was. Like, I, I grabbed a kitchen knife, like, ah! But he says, I have five songs to Elise and I. Which one do you want to hear? At the same time, we both said three. And he goes, that's weird. We said it simultaneously. We said it at the same time. Which one do you want to hear? We both said three. He said, that's weird. You know what that's like, right? You've been married for a while or know someone for so long you, you think each other's thoughts, right? You finish each other's sentences. You know what the other one's going to say and what the other one's going to do. Ah, now you understand a life wed to wisdom. Because you think her thoughts. You speak the way she would speak. You buy the way she would buy. You watch the movies that she would want to watch. You listen to the music she would want to listen to. You go to the places and do the things that wisdom wants to do. And when you speak, it's kind of hard to tell which one it is. Is it you or is that wisdom? Have you seen my wife? Let me encourage you to stand up. Take out the notes that you receive. There's a prayer at the very bottom.
In James, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, what should you do? You should, you should ask for it. And so we've been in the habit of asking for wisdom and praying wisdom over our fellowship and our families, us as individuals. Artists, would you come up? Don't leave me up here by myself. I've said too much already. And so let's do that. But before we pray, I just want to walk you through a little bit. We're going to ask God to give us wisdom. To open the eyes of our heart so that we would see the way that he sees. We're going to ask that we would know the hope that he's called us to. Hope is the future, the promise, the life of promise that flourishing creates. What are the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints? Where is this story going? To be reminded of that. Because sometimes it's hard. And what's the immeasurable greatness of his power? He changes things. Jesus changes things. That's why he's able to say, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Let's pray this over one another, for ourselves, for our family, for the Miami Valley. Pray with me. May the Father of glory give us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which he has called us. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? May his kingdom come and his will be done here as it is in heaven. Thank you for sharing your time with us and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.